Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for the first episode of the Reverse Sweep of the Modern Warfare 2 season. I am your host, Doug Sensomart. I'm joined alongside Chris Parasite Duarte and also Patrick Aches Price. What is going on, my friends? How you guys all doing? I know you guys are in North Carolina. I flew home. I'm exhausted. I've slept for like five hours, but I am here. I'm ready to go. How are you guys feeling? I'm feeling great, Doug. Uh, I'm in my hotel room right now. I got a little official setup at the hotel, you know, producing ultimate quality for the reverse sweep. Uh, but yeah, it was a good weekend, man. Ran, ran some flank shows uh, now on a Sunday night running the running the reverse sweep. So nothing, yeah, nothing I'm good as well, man. I'm good as well. Same boat as Pat. As you can tell by our background, uh, we're obviously here uh, for the major. And it was, a, it was a banger of a tournament, man. This is probably one of the best events we've had in a long time. I would almost like go as far as to say best event we've had in a, like not not best event we had, but like one of the best events we've ever had in Call of Duty history outside of the grand final. Um, I know we're going to talk about the major, so I'll kind of leave that up for for you know debate later. But um, dude, uh, the the tournament was super exciting this weekend, especially in the CDO era. I think that's the big thing. Like the CDO era events, I think this was up there for sure. Chris was one of the best. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but it, it felt like when I was walking into the venue, it felt like one of those old school events from Call of Duty back in like 10 years ago, 2012, 2013, where it just felt like everything was really intertwined. And I felt like, at least for me personally, as like a challenger player who went to events last year in the pro league and the challengers as well, I liked how everything was so intertwined and how the pros and the challenger players were playing with each other because the, the pedestal between like the pro player and the challenger player to me was always so imbalanced. And I feel like now this event, at least with the Pro-Am, at least with this year, it seems like that you could see challenger players are still really good and they could obviously compete with pro players. And there was obviously some upsets, like you guys said too. So I definitely thought that it was really fun uh, just to compete in it too. I mean, shit, arguably some of the, 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 the league team's academy rosters are better than their pro rosters. So <laughs> I think in terms of like the, where the pedestal's at, there's, there's definitely no argument that the, the challenger scene has some some pro capable talent but uh i want to actually talk about something you said um which was that old school feel so uh, a lot of people may not know this but it was actually a call of duty event back in 2011 in raleigh uh, and the way those mlg events were ran back in the day was you had like cod you had halo and you had starcraft it kind of had that same setup that we saw this weekend with cod mobile cod endowment and then the obviously the um the main cdl stage so i think that was super cool like when i walked into the venue the first time on friday like what i like about the raleigh convention center is like you see from like the lobby of the convention center you see out and you see like the big open screens and yeah like to see all three i thought that was sick so um i actually hope they they, they do that every event because i think that was uh that was a really really sick setup yeah definitely so i mean this being the first uh episode of the season um, for those of you guys that might not have uh, been paying attention to the actual CDL season, there's been a lot going on, man. We started this year off, you know, playing with a completely different meta that we had prior to this event. Um, and it definitely had an effect on some of the results of this weekend, I'd like to think. Uh, we actually were playing with the M4, which was a severely overpowered weapon in our current meta. And that ended up getting GA'd, which saw, you know, a resurgence of of the SMG players, right? A lot of the SMG players were all using M4s and there was a big debate about it. And then the new meta assault rifle was the SCAR. Um, Doug, I know you're a sub player. So um, just talking about the GAs a little bit, like what do you think this uh, this whole, you know, meta shift did for players like you? Well, it was it was absolutely ridiculous as a sub player to to play against the M4 every day, at least in practice and in some of the tournaments too. Like, I think the biggest thing was just the rate of fire on the gun. It would kill so fast at close range, and it could just compete at any range and it could do anything whenever it wanted to. Like, I don't think an assault rifle should be able to shoot faster than a submachine gun, kill faster than a submachine gun at point blank, and just have the rate of fire that it has with the headshot multiplier. So. I was really glad that it was gone and it does make the game more balanced. You still see ARs popping off. You still see them top fragging, having the most damage, et cetera. But subs also as well could do the same. Like I could just tell you from watching this weekend and playing as well, but just from watching, even with the Boston main team, Nero went like 34 and 12 or 34 and 13 on hotel Hardpoint with a sub in uh, one of their first matches when they were playing against Vegas. So I mean, the sub could definitely pop off and do its thing now more consistently. And I do think that the meta is a little bit more balanced, but obviously the game did just come out about six weeks ago. It's still in its very infancy stages. There was some spawn updates right before the event. Um, Chris, I know you were competing in challenges as well, so I don't know if you played Hydro, but spawns on Hydro have changed. The pros haven't seen that yet, but obviously they're going to be traveling back home, maybe getting back into some scrims after uh, the holidays. But Hydro spawns changed, Mercado spawns changed, a couple of the uh, MSC spawns changed as well. And of course, in challengers, 
we're going to have to be playing on that too. So I think the meta is a little bit better with the Scar. I don't know if this is going to be the most optimal meta for, for viewership. I know a lot of players don't seem to really like the Scar. They think it's boring. But um, right now, for me currently, I'm having a lot of fun competing. And I definitely think that the GA made the game a little bit more competitive. Yeah, man, I I agree, I agree with you. I just think uh, the M4 was in a pretty weird spot where it was just kind of a do it all gun, fast fire rate guns, and just are just usually really unforgiving, and that really doesn't play into the strengths of an AR like Esca role. Uh, but just like you know, the submachine gun players are back. Um, for all of you guys watching at home, if you guys are back to watching the reverse sweep and you guys are enjoying the content that we're gonna be putting out in the season, make sure you guys sub if you haven't already. Uh, we're gonna be doing a ton of these every season, not only with the majors, but you know, with the qualifiers and such as it's not, well. It, it's not if you haven't already. It's how the hell haven't you already? We're back, <laughs> baby. Subscribe. Don't ask any questions. Just do it. Click the button right now. You won't regret it. it. I, I promise. Do it. Anyways, uh, so, yeah, leading up until the uh, event, whatever, we had the uh, the whole GA, the SCAR, or the GA, the uh, M4, and, and all these other changes to the game. But that ended up leading us to the first major, which um, not only was it the first major, obviously, where teams could earn a, an abundance of CDL points, this was actually a special tournament. We actually had a, a Pro-Am, similar to what we had last year, um, slightly altered format, but we got to see a lot of challenger players uh, qualify, and a lot of challenger players uh, be able to play the pro teams mm -hmm. in a I would group say it style was a format. Much, much more official pro amp, right? Last year was kind of like a, you know, a one that together. didn't have much effort put into. Exactly, yeah. This was like official. Challenger players flew in early, played a qualifier on LAN, uh, and then got put into the GSL style groups that then obviously matched them with with the pro league team. So I think this was dope. Yeah. I actually love this format. I hope they do this. I mean, shit, I would say I hope they do it every event, but I hope they at least do it every single year at the at the beginning of the year. Because I think it's the best way to kick off the season and give the rightful recognition to the to the players down in down in challenge. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good it's a good time. Uh, wouldn't you say, Doug, to, to kind of have this uh, the tournament? Because I feel like right now um, at the beginning of the year, the challenger teams are probably a lot more even with the pro teams. I think the pro teams are you know, will learn and stuff like that as the year progress. And they obviously have a lot more support down there. Um, playing is their job while some challenger teams um, maybe have a little bit more worries. Some of them have like part-time jobs, some of them go to school. So it kind of like gets harder and harder to keep up with these pro teams that literally play the game and, and their only worry is playing the game and learning the game. So I think right now, perfect time to have a pro-am. I hope they kick off the year every single time. I think it was just dope how a, an AM team, even though it didn't happen, there was a couple teams that came close can actually technically qualify for the actual major and potentially win the first tournament as a challenger team. That's nuts to me. I mean, they go yeah, from definitely. what? Basically tripling their potential prize earnings, right? From challengers yeah. like first place to the major first place. Like it's a big difference. Yeah. What do you yeah, think? I think it's, it's definitely a really big deal that they, they do the program because you know how it is, Chris, being down in challengers. And I can just tell you from playing in challengers, the, the disparity that the community thinks. And even I feel that the, the way that the game has been working just because of the franchise league between a pro player and a challenger player. It's like that, that title to me, it just really bothers me because like you said, Chris, the pro players just they're the same as the challenger players. I mean, obviously there's going to be more of a high quality of talent in the pro league because it's the pro league, but there's so many great players and challengers. We always say this on every single show. I mean, Vortex and them just got second in the challenger tournament. They were one elevate, map away yeah. from qual or elevate. Yeah, well, Vortex is the captain of the team and elevate the team was one map away from qualifying for top eight at the pro tournament. And they just got second in the challenger tournament. So obviously those guys beat some pro teams. A couple of teams beat pro teams. The Spanish almost beat Toronto Ultra as well, who plays fourth, who I'm very uh, high on, Pat. But yeah, I definitely think that it's good that it, it incentivizes a lot of different challenger teams and organizations have a reason to want to invest into challengers. Like even Chris, the team you played with, they were having an issue with finding funding for the event. And I just tweeted out on Twitter like, hey, if anyone can help fund these guys to the event, they're like the number one, number two seed in Europe. Eric Boom and them won the first cup. You were playing with them, Chris. I know we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Um, you filled in, you played with them and... A lot of really, really fun stuff happened, not only in the pro tournament, but also in the challenger tournament. A couple of upsets as well. Chris, you being a part of one of the bigger ones. But uh, yeah, I thought that the format for the program was great. Um, it's really nice that we were able to do this in the beginning of the game when there's still a lot of people that are interested in watching it. Maybe we could build a new foundation of fans coming into the scene that want to still watch competitive Call of Duty or new people who want to watch it as well. So um, I just, I'm a big fan of it. Unfortunately, our team didn't play as well as we wanted to. So I went right home, slept for like two hours. And here we are now. So 
yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed, <laughs> but overall, I'm happy with it's the format good, and how the event went. It's all good, Doug. But listen, yeah, you know, just to cap off talking about a little bit about the AM teams and the challenger portion of the event. I just think the the, the pro AM every year is going to be a good a tool for the community to kind of gauge um, what being a challenger actually is like. Because I think the community and even like if you go on Reddit and stuff like that, they almost feel like challenger players are a joke. They see it as like kind of like, oh, dude, you're a challenger player, and like they shame people for it. When in reality, it's just the the only difference between challengers and pro teams at the high level of both is that there's just limited spots in the pro league and there isn't in challengers. So obviously those players have, you know, a space to compete. But um, as far as the tournament, uh, you pointed out there was uh, some upsets. Yeah. So I ended up having to fill in. Well, I didn't have to, but uh, I got offered to fill in for a team and I found it a pretty good opportunity, you know, to make some extra cash and obviously compete for fun. Uh, they were a top two European seed. They're uh, called Team Notorious at the event, but it consisted of Wee Man. Uh, Eric Boom and Goth or Maple, sorry, and um, yeah, I ended up filling in for one of their teammates that couldn't make it across the pond, and I ended up matching up against the team that I've been coaching for the last couple months, which was kind of funny. I ended up, you know, beating them in a in an upset format, which was obviously very very funny for Twitter. But the game feels incredible on land. Um, it was a it was a very fun time. Kind of feel bad for you know the teammates that I coach, but. At the end of the day, it's uh, it sparks some passion in me, man. I actually might be, you know, playing again. So if you guys want to see me playing again, make sure you guys sub seriously because it'll uh, it'll, it might motivate me to keep playing. And I know subscribe, guys. Chris needs to be playing right now. He's too good not to be playing. Hold on, listen. Chris is underselling this. So anyone who didn't watch the event, let me give you a little backstory. So the four teams that qualified into the uh, from the from the challenger play-in was um. But a bunch of the old heretics guys, I forgot their team name. Oh, they're the called uh, Poyo Drum. It was Destiny, yeah, Elevate, and Los Angeles Gorillas Academy. Right. So your team actually was one of the teams that qualified. Um, and when they and then when they didn't make into the pro bracket, they jumped into challengers, right? They I think they get slotted at like top twenty-four, something like that, into the bracket. Um and then mm. yeah, Chris, you filled in. But hold on, let's talk about this. You, you didn't just beat him. You iced him up game five. So there was a game four replay because <laughs> I think you got scanned. I got um, scanned and, repair, yeah. And, and Twitter went crazy because you were, you know, <laughs> you you they thought that Chris uh, forced the replay against his own team, which is funny. Um, but then, yeah, you were down like 50 to 150. You got scanned. You guys did a full replay. You ended up smoking them. I and popped then you, off. And you, and then, yeah, <laughs> I actually and did then, pop off. And then y'all clutched up game five. So actually, I'm curious, what did your team, like, was there no hard feelings? Was your team kind of upset the fact that, you know, uh, that you filled in and beat them or? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, of, my opinion is suck less, right? Like, you can't, there's people, no excuses. A couple people, couple people on the team were upset. Uh, well, actually, no. I'd say, like, a handful of them were upset, but um, some of them didn't really say anything. But there were some some voicing their opinions. And, I mean, I could, I could see why. I mean, it's very weird. Some people would call it unprofessional. But at the end of the day... I'm not signed to coach on this team or any team. I um I like to I've always thought of myself more as like a consultant. I, I was coaching them, but it was more so much like dipping my feet into coaching. It wasn't more so like full time commitment to coaching because bro, I do content, I stream, and even if I like and I, I take any opportunity I can get to be involved in any sort of Call of Duty um Your triple you know, facet because I just I just love the game and I and I feel like any opportunity I say no to is just is just an L. Like I may as well, right? Coaching is something that I would like to do, but if I'm not going to get signed to a CDL team, I'm not going to commit myself to coaching a team for free and only exclusively taking opportunities to coach them. If I find an opportunity, I'm going to take it. And that's at the end of the day what I did. Um, it was kind of unfortunate that we matched up in the bracket uh, pretty early uh, just because of seeds and all that stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, nothing in life is given for free and they had to earn the victory um, just like I ended up winning. Uh, the thing I, is, I, though, Chris, some... hold on, wait, 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 hold on, wait. I just want to step in for a second too because I know, I know very well the team Chris played with. I know very well the team Chris is coaching in challengers right now, and I also know very well uh, how that series went down. So I just want to say, like, as another another player playing in the tournament, there was a lot of issues, guys, in the first day of the tournament. I don't know if the pro bracket had it as well as challengers, but we had so many issues with the game. We took like, I think it was like eight to nine hours just to play two best of threes because. Every time we would start the map, the game would constantly disconnect and somebody would constantly get scanned and, and repair. So, or like, uh, I don't know, just every single time we would start a game, like if you would get 11 kills, your game would crash. Like weird things kept on happening where there was these brand new rules that got implemented where um, no matter what, and they said this right, right before we played our match was the same round you played, Chris, no matter what the score is, it's going to be a full replay. So it's kind of unfortunate that the team that you coach, this is why I like stepping in and defend them a little bit. 
it's kind of unfortunate that the team you coach was probably going to beat you three to one and then the game just lagged out and the rule is to just replay but chris i do want to bring this up because this happened in call of duty world war ii when i played against you on an ardens forest capture the flag and then the power went out when we were about to lose and then they forced a full replay we won and then uh, you were a little bit unhappy. So I can understand yeah, why your players were upset. So. But now now it's I mean, all coming full circle and it's benefiting you. And you're closing it out on Hotel Search and Destroy Game 5. And the team you coach is a really good North American team. And for you to be filling in without having any reps, because I know you just play your late night eights. You coach your team. You obviously have a lot of information. For you to be able to fill in for another team, I'm extremely impressed with you. And if you do compete, you obviously, I, I, I've known you forever, but I always thought you were a great player. But I definitely think Chris deserves to be on a good team. He proved it this weekend. If he could get more reps, can you imagine <laughs> what he could do in Boston in five weeks? Guess. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah, yeah, saying. I appreciate That's the guess. I, I, Anyways, I think the uh, big thing... Well, I think the big thing that to call out, uh, Doug, because you were talking about just the issues that were happening, I think all first events always have issues. But I, I think there's a bigger picture here, and it's that the rule sets the CEO uses is very black and white, right? Like, it's it's very, like, if it's a game issue, is it a player issue? And that determines whether it's, like, a full replay or it doesn't matter at all. And, and we were talking about this a little bit before is, like, uh, we've seen a lot of situations where teams get forfeited that, you know, opinion-wise, everyone's like, well, that wouldn't have mattered. Like, why is there a replay here? Like... I think the league needs to implement a little gray area, right? Use a little common sense in certain situations where like someone that understands the game and how and how it plays to to make a call that says, okay, this wouldn't have mattered. That wouldn't have mattered. It would have had no effect on the match. Because when you look at it very black and white, you really kind of you never make the right ruling, right? It, someone's always gonna lose. Um, but if you if you kind of like make a little put a little opinion in there where it's like, okay, it was like a 99.9999% chance, or even there's no way they could have won that. You don't force a replay just because the rule book says if this happens, it's a replay. Um, yeah, but yeah, Chris, I think to be a ruling committee for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Chris, I think your team was was definitely disappointed by that outcome and and probably disappointed in general. But hey, at the end of the day, they lost, and, and that's that's on them. But uh, speaking of disappointments, there were definitely a few this weekend in the pro brackets. Um, so London, Boston, um, LAG. What was LAG and top of my head, who was the last team? London, Boston, LAG. Um, who was it? Not Vegas. Vegas made the bracket. Not Florida. No, it Vegas, yeah. Optic. It Optic, right? Optic. Yep. Optic. Yep. Because they lost to Florida, um, yeah. which is yeah. I think I think Optic obviously one of the biggest disappointments, but I think those teams in general because they both, I mean, all of them really had decent online performances. Um, and to kind of come out here and get 9th through 12th, obviously someone had to lose. But, but yeah, I mean, I was really disappointed by Optic. I mean, they, they had a game two versus Florida where they were up like 5-1. Let them come back. Get, they got back in the series. They go game five. It's on S&D on uh, Fortress. And Florida, one of the rounds, like they, they eliminated them all. They're waiting to defuse the bomb. They started doing pull-ups in the map, like mid-map. They're beating them so bad after coming back. And they started doing pull-ups. And I think this really the first round from, of the game. <laughs> yeah. And and this sparked from Ender shooting bodies, I think, game one, right? Uh or early game no, two. Okay, it was game it was game two. Yeah. When early they, game up, two. they actually yeah, got yeah, came yeah. back on. They so so it was early it was early game two, and they were up what, five to one or one, five, five to two, to and one. they ended up they ended up getting came back on and losing the map six five. Um, very tough showing for Optic. Um, I think a lot of people are disappointed uh in in their performance obviously this being scumps last year and um you know wanting to see him do good which in my opinion he's probably the best player on his team right now um maybe statistically i'm not too sure but it, from the looks of it and from he's the way he's been playing online yeah. he's got to be up there which is insanely tippable if anything you know given uh how long he's been doing this for and and even with the players on his team right you always expect uh players like dashy and Shotzi to kind of like take that spotlight from him nowadays but the guy's been playing really good and uh, yeah, there's just, you know, they just came out and they ended up losing to a team they already had beat, essentially choking. And I think they just, I think their main issue is they're just kind of like lackluster in like every game mode outside of hardpoint. And I think that's what kind of bit, bit them in the ass in the long run of the series. Um, and even then, it's yeah. not like they're dominant in hardpoint, right? They're just above average. They, they'll get wins. Yeah. I don't think they have anything they're really dominant in, which is... For that roster, yeah, I mean, you need to be dominant in at least one game mode. Um, but I think the big thing here is, like, 
So we saw Porter, I think, talk about this a little bit last year on NYSL that like everyone kind of knew it was going to most likely be his last year. And he kind of used that to kind of motivate his teammates. Um, I think in Seth's situation, like if I'm on that roster, like especially if I'm Shotzi, right? Like Shotzi is the one who we all kind of predict to carry on the legacy as like the superstar of the green wall. Um, I think, yeah, all these guys really, in my opinion, need to buy in. I mean, it's Seth last year and he's performing at a level, honestly, that's probably better than he has been the last couple of years. He mentioned it. The game suits his play style more than the games we've seen in the past. No slide canceling uh, like that. So I think, you know, them as a team, really, I mean, they need to give it, lay it all on, like, on the line this year. Um, I think, you know, Seth being, being Seth last year, if they don't get a win in Seth last year, that's, that's going to be crazy. Well, to yeah, be fair, I mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, like, to be fair, like, we, we all know how Call of Duty goes. I mean, I've won with both of you guys in major tournaments, and then I also went into the next major tournament with both of you guys on different teams. Chris, we got eighth at playoffs where there's eight teams after we just made a crazy losers run, won like six series in a row, two best deposit finals. Pat, we made a crazy run as well, obviously winning Columbus, beating Optic in two best of fives, and then next event we got top 16. So we know how this goes. Like, you could be a dominant team, or you could be a good team, or you could just be a team that has the potential to win. And you could get first place, and you could also get dead last place, especially in the CDL era. I mean, we all see, like, even Boston, they got, technically, they got last. But look, I watched them scrim. I played against them in scrims. I saw them play in their matches. They easily could be making a run at the tournament, and sometimes the team just has to lose, and that's just the way it's going to have to go. When you have 48 players playing in a league that number one and number 48 are all really close and really good players, and every dog's going to have their day, especially in a game like this, right? So, I mean... It's just the way it's going to go, I feel, with how good the comp comp uh, competition is, especially with Florida. Great roster, always underrated. I was very high on them going into the season. Toronto Ultra, I thought that was going to be one of the top three teams in the CDL. They just finished fourth. So, I mean, it it's just the way it's going to go with the way that the CDL is set up now. My thing with Optic, though, is that it's different with them, and I'll tell you why. Because, obviously, these guys have been teaming you know, for two years now, um, same roster. But the thing is, going into the season, they wanted to get rid of two players. You know, some people thought it was a joke, but it's already been confirmed it wasn't a joke. These guys obviously had the full intention of getting rid of Dashi and Illy. And um, st I still think that at times, Illy and Dashi um, are kind of underperforming in a way. I think Dashi is better than, you know, the potential that or the, the potential that he's been playing at. And I think Illy obviously has always been that question mark for that team, whether he's going to, you know, play really well. And when, they, when he does play really well, um, that team makes a lot of big runs in tournaments. But when he's playing... Uh, not so well, that's kind of when they struggle. And with Shotzi obviously not having the superstar performances that you know he's capable of, these guys are really in a in a weird position where I feel like if they have another like terrible stage at or like a major or something like that, these guys might actually blow it up like to a degree, which is gonna be, I feel like might actually be weird for Seth's last year. Um to see to if have like a major roster yeah, change to have like a major roster it, change. Yeah. yeah, because obviously he's gonna be gone next year if he stops playing. So like them having to you know get two new players and introduce into this whole optic system and it's almost like a family like type you know environment right where they like to keep these well, players long term also, it's going to be a really weird situation also we talk about like you know how optic can get anyone they want right but like realistically when they? You look at the but also when you think about that look at the landscape right so like let's just assume they can't get any of the top dogs right so let's say no atlantas no no superstars off surge or stuff like that but what player would want to join that roster in Cess last year, right? Like, like I feel like that's like a super high stressful situation where like, even if you do join, like you're almost automatically going to get scapegoated, right? Like, even if it's not your fault, uh, I feel like if you join as in Cess last year, and there's always going to be the back of the mind, like if you don't perform... Like you kind of like, you know, you fumbled the bag. Hey, but softy mentality is this? I, I would Bro. never expect this out of you, Pat. Not me. I don't. I wouldn't. He's do not way, saying but I, he would. Bro, but he if you, if you told me I'm playing with Seth in his last, because we we all played with Seth too. It's easy to play with Seth. He always makes the game feel no, easy. But I, I don't care what, about what the I'm pressure. Saying, Win the I'm game. Saying, Win. Attracting talent, right? If they let's say they drop Bruce and uh and, and Ender, right? The the off season move they were gonna do. Who do they? Who can they get that, that's gonna talented you know, players? Come in? 
Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're telling me there's so many players in challenge Seth to win a championship with right bro, now. Bro, Doug, you're telling me in Seth's last year competing ever, his retirement. He's gonna year, he's gonna drop in Ilya Dashi for for challenge. Well, you guys, players. you got you're you're just saying this like, oh, if they play bad at the next stage. Personally, I just feel that he's gonna ride it out with this team no matter what for the rest of the year. They can get dead I mean, last in every tournament. He's still gonna ride it out. I feel like, that. I feel like bro, that's yeah, appointment. That's a because I don't think they suck. I, even if they I even if they get dead last in the next major, he ain't making a change, man. Bro, he's but he's also playing. Point. But listen, he's also playing with three people that have have a mindset, right? Like, bro, you think Shotzi just because it's Seth's last year, you think Shotzi wants to ride it out with a shit roster if they're placing terribly? Yeah. No, you think Illy wants to just keep placing terribly? You think Dashy wants to keep placing terribly? No, obviously these people will want to try to maybe go to other teams. Maybe I'm not thinking. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I'm I'm spewing bullshit, and I don't think that's how they, they they would think. But hey, at the end of the day, um, they're still a team that has to perform and has to you know have good results. And if they're not doing that, who the fuck knows what can happen? And, but and in my opinion, yeah. I don't I don't think they're like the LAT situation of last year. Like I don't see them like just starting slow with a bunch of talent and then making a few like swaps and rolls and maybe a new coach or anything. I don't see that being a, a, a catalyst for them to just see success. This is a known quantity. Right, we know this team has been together a while. We know what they're capable of, but to me, they've been on a downward trajectory since they won their home major last year in Vanguard. Like, I, they've been on a just a slow decline. Um, so yeah, barring some like massive step up from some of those other guys, and maybe like a really big attitude change in general, which is kind of what I, uh, you know, foreshadowed a little bit earlier when I was saying like, are they buying into the fact that like this is kind of a do it all season, right? It's just last year. I just I don't know if I see them improving. So yeah, I think I think yeah a blow it up candidate is possible if, if it. So what about um what about the other teams? So we got LAG. Let's talk about LAG, Pat. I know you got some strong feelings about LAG. Tell me about LAG. Listen, Chris. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um. So every time I watch LAG, I'm just I'm like the opposite of impressed. Um. <laughs> I genuinely think that their academy team that came into groups this this major is a better roster, a better put together team, a higher ceiling than their professional team. And yeah. when you when you think yeah, about that, right? Like if you do a side by side, that's mind blowing to not only compare like the the statue, right, of players that are on each team, but also the amount of money LAG has invested, you know, like in comparison of what they have in their pro team versus their challenger team, it's night and day and the fact that your your challenger team is better is is honestly it's embarrassing. Um I think I think they should be embarrassed by that. Uh, I think the pro team should be embarrassed by that. Um, and yeah, if I'm LAG management, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this like I made a huge mistake again. Like I need to I need to put some of the guys from my challenger roster on my. How do, how does LAG keep getting away with it, bro? Bro, it's why would they re-sign a trio that you knew was not a good trio? Like I don't care which players wanted to play with what. Like that is irrelevant to me. At the end of the day. You know, when you're signing teams, you know what you should know what does and doesn't work. And I feel like they let like a little bit of friendship get in the way of of making a good roster. You know what I mean? Like if Spart and Neptune and Kyler were like, no, we all want to play with each other. We really like this dynamic between us three. Like, bro, if I'm LG management, I don't care. I'm letting all three of them go and and, and starting over. Then then signing something I know doesn't work. And in my opinion, that roster is not ever gonna work. So I think that team is automatically the blow it up candidate number one um and yeah i think like like i said they've got they've got talent on their challengers team that they could easily incorporate into their pro team and mm -hmm. i think they're instantly better so yeah, i'll be damned if they're not i'll be damned if they're not the first roster change of the season i just if they aren't the first roster change of the season what's those going guys on are, in that camp those guys those guys are not in the cdl to win like i, I honestly couldn't yeah. tell you well they committed That's to alec for three years already i mean they they have and a set smart. plan and and, and Chris as well. Well, good for them. I mean, they're 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 seeing a future with these guys. But it, the the thing that's so tough about what this future conversation, are they seeing, Doug? They're, this they're is the, the this is the issue. Everyone else is seeing. Pat, okay, this is the issue. You, let's for example, let's use you. Dead last. No, let's use Pat. For I just want to put him in his place real quick. I remember. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to use you, Pat. I remember. There's no future. <laughs> blow it up. When you said blow it up, I had to smirk, man. Okay, did LAG play bad? Yeah. Did their academy team play good? Yeah, they won the challenger event as well. And I play against those guys. Uh, I played against pro teams. They're definitely a pro team. I mean, they're a pro team playing in challengers. It is what it is. But 
When you say this isn't going to work, this trio doesn't work, this doesn't work. Look at the Thieves. It didn't work. Blow it up. They went 0-5 in the stage. They switched roles. They win champs. No, no, but listen. They they were playing the game. The same team (laughs) was in the game last year with one different player. And that player is now on phase. What? And the problem with the Thieves, the, the Thieves were playing the game wrong. They had all the talent in the world. This team lacks talent. I'm sorry. Hugh, Spart, Neptune, one, this is not the style of COD that fits this trio at all. Like, if it was Vanguard again, like, maybe you have a case, like, maybe they can get better. No, nah, Hopper, what? They were literally but, playing Vanguard. I, no, 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 don't get me wrong. If we were playing, I, I, I disagree, if we were playing BO4, maybe. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, we went into a game that's, like, the opposite of this team's trio style. Like, these guys are, like, this game would fit you, chasers. Pat. This game would fit you well. Yeah, this, what, maybe I should. Dude, no, Chris, maybe we should run it up in yeah. challenge, bro. Who knows? Bro, those but, guys made a roster for Black Ops 4 SD Chows and no bullshit. No bullshit. No bullshit. That's <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. Wait, I didn't, I didn't get to the point. I didn't get to the yeah, point. Yeah, you still haven't Pat. put me in my place, you, Doug. You, you said to me, okay, when I remember picking you up when it was me, it was Slasher, it was Apathy, I made room for you on my team, and then you said to me, oh, wait, who'd or you, you drop said it. Neslo, who was probably one of the better players in the game, and then he got no, top 32. No, no, Neslo. He got top 32, no. but he was doing no. really well. No, no. Dito, Neslo, Dito. one of the two. He dropped Dito. Listen, he played with Neslo. And Neslo was doing well, and then you just bullied him off the team, even though he was doing well, because you said, I don't believe yeah, in Neslo. I picked up, work. Yeah, and I picked up Slasher, and we won. Hold on, hold on. We all unanimously won. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Listen, Pat, you're going to take all the credit for this. All I'm going to say is this, Pat. I don't care who has the credit. The only thing that matters to me is that you said, oh, you told FaZe, oh, I can't win with Doug and Brian for a world championship, even though we carried your ass to win at Columbus. And you're like, I can't win with them for a world championship. What did you do a few years later? You won with Brian for a world championship. You're saying I'm the problem, Pat? I'm taking that personal. Doug, that's all that's I'm saying. How... Okay, Opinions could be changed based off of recent rele- relevancy with, what is it, uh, recency bias with how you play in a tournament. This LAG team is not good right now. They could be good next event. Maybe recency they can one person bias. change. They were all going to say this last year. But, but Doug, this the is, game this is my issue. The game matters, is, yes, right? That's if, my issue. If I didn't, if I didn't feel confident right in Brian and AW, that doesn't mean I'm not going to feel confident in him. In World and War that's II. my problem with how this whole thing works right now because one, I want players to have stability. Like when I hear it, because I know Spark, great player. I know Art Alec, great player. I love when I hear these players get three year contracts, but I don't like how our performances, our results, Oh, Optic had one bad major. Maybe they play bad major two. Seth blows it up, and then this happens, and they blow Wait, it up. That Optic so, like, team say, has been bad for like six months. Okay, but all I'm going to try to say is like, how do how do organizations commit to these players, get them apartments, have them play for them for like six months? You play for two stages, you suck, you get taken off the team. Like, how how is it for? How are you going to have sustainability as a player as you get older and like are looking for a source of income if you're only going to play for like six months to eight months of a game, we- get bent? Do this. Go on another team. Go there. Uh, relocate to this place for five, six months. It's like you can't even you. be in one place for like a I'll year. Tell, it's, I'll, it's I'll, ridiculous. I'll tell them. I'll okay, tell them. You ahead. play a different go game. Ahead. I'll follow up. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell I'll, you play a different game. This is Call of Duty. This is a game that changes every year. So the dynamic, the landscape, the players, the teams, everything. Your future can change like this, just like the game can. Because yeah. unless you, because it's it's just the way it is. You either adapt or you fall off the scene. Bro, I don't, like, yeah. granted, I like, as a person, as a player, yeah, bro, like, I'm the same. I want to have stability, right? I want to be, you know, I want to make sure I have a job. I want to make sure that I'm making money. I'm having fun. I'm in a good mindset. But, bro, if I'm not, if I'm not going to perform, you know, long term, if I'm not going to do my job long term, then why the fuck am I, am I, do I have the job? Like, there's no point. There's people out there that are hungrier. There's people out there that are better at the job. So get them in. Get them in the position. It is what it is. We know the scene we play in. We know the landscape we play in. We can't sit here and make excuses. If if that if that's the case, you just have to play a different game. Play a game that's going to last longer, which in, in this case, I think we're going to start having two-year cycles of Call of Duty. Pray we get a Treyarch uh, game next year with two-year cycle. That'd be pretty cool. But anyways, that's just, you know, that's just the deal. Yeah. I mean, you can't make excuses for these people. I think yeah, the follow-up. Go ahead, Pat. Well, I was going to say, I want to follow up on what you said. Doug, the, there, the reason there's no sustainability is because you could go from being a top 10 player one year to the game completely changing, and you're not even being in the conversation as a top player. Like, that's, that is, that, I mean, think about BO4, World War II to BO4, like, those are polar opposite titles, right? Um, look at Vanguard to now, like, it's the same thing. Like, when the game, from, a, from, a, from just a, a, a pure gameplay standpoint, changes to the point where, like, 
the players, what makes the players good is no longer necessarily even available in the game. Talk about slide canceling, talk about no red dots, talk about the pace, talk about like L trigger heavy versus movement finesse. Like there's so many aspects that change year to year. And, and, and yeah, this is the first time that we've ever seen a two-year cycle. So maybe for the next two years, you could have that sustainability argument. But yeah, if the game continues to change every year, you're never, ever going to get true sustainability because teams that want to win have to make the changes when they realize like, hey, what my team was last year is not what my team is this year. And if I want, if I care about winning, I need to make the, the change to make that happen. Listen, you got to so be the other, the other question that I have for both of you then, if it's about winning, right? You want to win, but then at what cost, right? So like, how do you build a brand with an organization and scale it and make it lucrative while also trying to win, while also trying to have some form of, because you need to have some form of a structure with your team, right? Like with Optic, it's Seth. Like if Seth's not there on Optic, how are they going to be able to have this, this image that they're trying to promote for this team and get these people to want to buy these tickets? Like how do you perform and still have sustainability with your fan base at the same time? Like it just makes it seem so unrealistic when, like for New York Subliners, for example, it seems like they just have a brand new roster every year and they're, they're really trying to win, but with what identity, right? Like, do you think fans even care about that? Do you think players in general, does that matter to anyone? Like, is this just something that we're all making up here or, or what? Well, I, I, the, I personally believe that there's, there's, there's something where, where it actually matters. Like you definitely need to have I, some form of just like camaraderie with your fans and your player base and your organization and, and everything. It's Call of Duty. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't. My bad, Pat. I don't want to cut you off, but I think that's just the 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 landscape we have of Call of Duty. It doesn't exist, and it be it's because of the title changing every year, right? Having a brand and having all that stuff. A lot of the time is um is very player to player based. It's not going to be brand based, and although the brands probably want to achieve that, like the teams, it's almost impossible, man, because of the game we play. Think about it. Everyone will tell you most teams or most people, they're fans of players not teams exactly and that's exactly. why because you're just that going exactly from what I was gonna say. you're going from player you're go you're going from team to team to team because you're trying to find a formula to win like and it's because the game's going to change because bro we're playing an esport yeah marketing sponsorships all that stuff is very important it keeps you know these organizations you know making a profit it keeps you know people interested in esport or it keeps the advertisers interested in esports but at the end of the day bro you got to be on that stage for extended periods of time and how do you do that you win it's the only way um until we play a consistent game where we're not changing every year we can make these arguments of you know having a sustainable sustainable roster that can build a fan base for a specific team but Call of Duty is not a long-form esport. It will never be until we get that. And the only thing, the only people that we can blame are the developers. So that's just the way I see it, in my opinion. Um, so let's just move forward real quick. Um, we've already touched on uh, the LAG. Um, we'll make these quick, but you know the Royal Ravens. Um, in my opinion, smoked. they just they yeah they they just got smoked. They look pretty decent online, but on land they just they didn't really look too good. Yeah. Um, I'm still pretty high on Asim. I think Asim is very good. Very talented player, but I mean, Trey, Paul, and Nasty at times just don't really look like they're like championship caliber players. I mean, I think they're pretty good players in their own right, but I think Royal Ravens again are just are struggling to find a roster that kind of works, um, which sucks because once again, hey man, they got a lot. They got a couple players to choose from. They got Scraps on their bench. Scraps has always been a good player. I think he kind of. Um, got dropped from the scene because of this whole reputation tarnishing thing with him prioritizing Warzone and content prior. But I think Scraps was always a talented player. And they even got the Elevate roster, right? They got some people on there that came over um, and surprised a lot of people, right? You know, taking some of these top teams, you know, to the limit with like Jay Gizmo and Harry, who they previously had on the roster and don't now. So, I mean, for for Ravens, I just think they're going to have to mix it up, bro. I think they're going to have yeah, to, think- they're going to, they're going to have to bring in some other European talent and kind of like, almost like clear clear the slate and just keep asim if they want to uh, yeah. keep that european identity i think they're in the they're in the like the, the boat of they need to blow it up like i don't i don't think they're gonna find blow success with that roster <laughs> like like it, it is what it is like i just don't think that with that current roster they're gonna find success they came, came they came here and they got shit on that roster not all of them obviously but some of them we talked about before just don't perform as well on land as they do online that's always been a problem with the ravens so so yeah i think they just need to they just need to make some changes um the other team is the Breach. Um, they had a little bit different of a situation. Uh, Awakening is probably their best player, if not one of. Um, and apparently he wasn't feeling well this tournament, so they lost the first match, which is whatever. Um, and then obviously he had to he had to say, guys, I can't play. 
Uh, Doug, being your teammate, actually ended up stepping in for him. Uh, and then they got unlimited. So I think for the breach, it was an unfortunate weekend, right? You can't predict someone feeling feeling ill. Uh, so I hope he's feeling better, especially when it's your star player. But again, I think the the, the conversation with the breach is the M4 meta, right? They were 2-0 and in, in online with the M4. We switched to the Scar Vaznev, and they haven't won a match since. They went 0-2 in the second half of the online bracket or the online stage, and they came here and they lost both matches. So we'll see if any more GAs happen, right? Because I think I think that's a team that uh, really kind of plays to how GAs work. They have obviously a lot of different pace on their team. Vivid and Nero are probably two of the fastest subs in the league. Uh, Method's one of the slower ARs. He's not slow, but you guys know what I mean. Um, and Awakening is obviously a really superstar flex player. Yeah. So um, I think the they're going to have to find a way to mesh for sure. Yeah, I think they're going to yeah, have to yeah. find a way to mesh, you know, their pace together, especially with the game speeding up, as we saw at the major. But also, um, I'm not too like worried about these guys. They lost, I think, like damn near every single series they've played um, ever since that GA last map. And one of them was a reverse sweep. So those guys are still competitive. Um, they're just not being they, they just can't close out series right now. And obviously with the meta changing, they're still going to have to make some adjustments. Um, to be honest, game that. five ice has always been a problem for the breach. Even last year, <laughs> right? Like at chance, they lost that round 11 versus the thieves round one at thieves going to win it all. So, so yeah, I think, yeah. I think aside from all that, they need to focus up on their game five ice and, and uh, Doug, maybe you can help them with that. Cause we know that we know that you have a lot of that game five. ice. Dude, I'm not going to lie, man. I don't think I've lost a game five in years, like years, bro. <laughs> Challengers, pro cod, Pat, I was carrying you, Chris, you, I mean, my virtual, most of my game five performance in all online big land. Facts, it don't facts. matter who I'm playing. I, I can do it with whoever. It don't matter. I'm just Bro, no, I watch. No, no, all serious. All seriousness. No, I mean, it, it really just comes down to the dynamic of the team. Like we all know that like your game five ice is actually, I, I never lost. It doesn't matter who my team is. I'm not even, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make right now, but uh, I appreciate the gas pad, but no, I, I think with the breach, it was really just an unfortunate situation with Joe getting yeah. sick. And, and again, like every dog has their day in these tournaments. I mean, this is the way Call of Duty is going to go. Maybe you're going to come out hot. Maybe you're going to come out cold. They had Ben come in for the second series. They went to a map five. It is what it is. Like, I mean, what are you yeah. going to do? Right. Well, uh, speaking about so, dogs having their day. Oh yeah. Well, the bulldogs. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's, there was definitely some teams that uh, impressed me this weekend, um, and I think NYSL was one of them. Um, the Bulldog, obviously, you guys, as you know, came out. NYSL won the event. Um, they just looked different from the get-go. Um, they were playing at a pace that I think was faster than every other team. Um, I, and honestly, it was surprising because I don't think we were getting this performance from them online. Like, we weren't seeing this. Um, and they came here and they showed out. Obviously, the Bulldog... Uh, tournament MVP, uh, Hydra played phenomenal. Priesta, massive. I mean, he like from online to land, and I should say from the beginning of Modern Warfare Two to now, he's my most improved player. I thought he was playing pretty poor online, uh, and he came here and he he did his thing all weekend. Uh, obviously, Sky is kind of a known quantity. We saw what he did on Florida. He's still doing it here. He's he's kind of always going to be your solid like one point one to one point one five AR player, but. But yeah, they, they impressed me. I don't know about you guys, but to come out, win this tournament, and basically beat every top team on their way there, uh, it was impressive. Yeah, no, New York definitely had an impressive performance. Uh, Kismet actually got MVP. I'm actually very happy for him finally getting his flowers. I think on the last New York roster, we kind of already figured that he kind of turned that team around and definitely was a catalyst as to why they made that run to qualify for champs. And now this year, he's continuing on that success, right? He's 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 that really gritty player, bro. His, he, he has like the most engagements out of like every sub, but it's not to a detriment. He plays, at, he plays at such a unique pace and you notice it a lot in this game because I think this is a game where a lot of people are going to struggle with finding that rhythm because of how weird the game is, right? It's like you have to play with speed, but everything in this game goes against playing with speed in order you know, for you to succeed. So he has this very unique um, play style that I think um, is a big catalyst as to why New York is such a good team right now and him with Hydra, right? Like Hydra's probably loving playing with Kismet. Kismet takes care of a lot of the daddy, uh, the, a lot of the objective work and a lot of the, you know, the the fundamental stuff and hydra can just kind of roam and slay and do his thing and and uh priesta another one 
who stepped up massively. We were really hard on him in Vanguard. I think, you know, rightfully so. Vanguard and a Cold War at times, he just wasn't the best player on his team. He wasn't very good. And we knew that Priesta was a very good player back in the day when, you know, with uh, him being on 100 Thieves and winning a couple tournaments. So he was we knew superstar he had a player, like superstar caliber. Yeah. So it was very weird to see him kind of drop off. But, you know, the guy's back, dude. He looks like a completely different player. Um, the guys shooting nukes and uh, everyone on that team, you know, played phenomenal and they they deserved it, man. I think a lot of people, including the coaching staff, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people on that on the that roster, they just uh, they've been ridiculed and a lot of them have been going through it um, for you know the last like year well, or so now. Troy, so they, Troy they their coach, it, bro. Cinder, he got dropped from Optic um, after this last year, uh, so he obviously moved in YSL. First event with them, instantly got a championship. That's got to feel good for him. Uh, obviously, like you guys know how some of the off seasons go, where you're not sure what your future is going to look like, uh, and then to obviously land on a team, and then not only land on a team but win right away with that team. First event, uh, dub. Yeah, that's got to feel good. And obviously, and honestly, New York had some of the most off season drama. Um, you know, we didn't cover it all, but I'm sure you guys uh, in the community are aware, like of all the drama that went down surrounding NYSL, Krim, Hydra, their coaching staff. Uh, so for them to come out get a win. I imagine that's got to feel amazing for them um, to kind of just. I mean, it does. Hydra, right Hydra literally said it on stream. He was like, I'm glad to prove. I uh, was like, the first thing he says, I'm glad he I is. proved Crim6 wrong. And I mean, rightfully so, man. The guy's, the guy's definitely super talented and he shows he can win championships. So good for Hydra. Good for the whole New York Subliner squad. Um, anyways, Doug, I'm going to ask you about uh, Thieves. What, what went wrong with Thieves this week? Because um, these guys obviously came off of winning the world championship. We knew Kenny you know, moved to a sub. And these guys were looking phenomenal in S&D towards the end of the year. But this year, they just they just could let, kind of look mid in like every game mode. I, I still think they're a top team. But like, what do, you what do you think about the Thieves? And what went wrong for them this tournament? Well, I think they were a little bit better with the M4 uh, compared to the Scar just based off of the matches and everything that I saw. But I also think that maybe they just might be more of a second-half team. Um, I know, obviously, in Vanguard last year, they had a couple of inconsistent performances and they had some role changes, but I feel like they just have such a well-diverse team and such great players on their team where even if they're underperforming like they kind of did, they did lose to some really good teams. I believe they did lose to Toronto. And I, like I said in the offseason, I thought they made some of the best moves getting Scrap and, and Stanny on the roster as well. So um, I don't know. They're a little bit lackluster right now. They're not definitely not one of the best teams in the game right now, but that could always change, right? How we know. Like even with New York last year, like New York looked like the laughing stock of the league. Everyone was saying they suck. They're not that good. They make a couple of different changes and – they could bring Kispin in and their whole team has been different. Same thing with online this year and then they win. So same with the Thieves. I just think that they're a little bit slow right now. Um, I think they're going to step it up. Uh, I think that they're going to use this event as a learning lesson. They got Cap as their coach and um, they seem to be the type of team, obviously, like to win the world championship, but their confidence in each other doesn't seem to waver based off of these performances that they have. Um, and it seems like they actually really like each other and they're all trying to buy into each other. So um, it's a really good thing when you have a team that could buy into each other and also want to fix the mistakes at the same time. And I think that is exactly what will happen with the Thieves. And I think this is just probably going to be one of those little roadblocks in the way for them during the season. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, they kind of just, they, they don't look like they found their identity in the game yet. And that could be obviously it being kind of like early into the season, but also with the whole Vaznev to Scar meta switch, I think that team is definitely affected by it the most because um, we already know that Kenny at points, you know, kind of, you know, he would say that he didn't want to run a sub and, you know, he probably got a little taste of the AR life, had to go back to the sub meta and, you know, there's, there's, AR you know, life. they're probably struggling. Yeah. You know, that you was know the saying? worst thing that he could ever get a taste of in his career. Exactly. Yeah. So AR this life. guy's, this guy's still probably, they're probably just trying to find their identity, what they're good at and stuff. And I still think they have probably one of the most well-rounded rosters with, you know, the talent to be good at pretty much every game mode uh, because of who's on their team. So I'm not really too worried about them, but uh, we'll see how, you know, they improve throughout the season. Of, honestly, um, of all teams, I have the most confidence in them improving. Like, I, I think yeah. they'll put it together. Whether they win again, that's irrelevant. I think, I think they automatically just get better in the next six to eight weeks before the, the next event. Um, with the online matches and the break, I think they're going to learn a lot. And I think they're a top contender for for being the most improved at the next major. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Pat, I'm going to ask you about a team that you are not particularly high on at times. You know, we talk uh -oh. about them pretty often. But let me hear your thoughts on the Seattle Surge. So the Seattle Surge, 
got second at this tournament. Um, I know they definitely surprised me in being in the grand final. I didn't think they were going to be there, but they made a, a very long run. And uh, yeah, they ended up facing New York subliners in the finals, which was a wash, by the way. New York subliners dominated that entire you know final besides like a, a one map choke, I think, on the Mercado hard point. But yeah, let me hear, let me hear what right, you think so- about the Seattle surge. Sure, I think first and foremost, uh, Pred Pred has not lo- lo- dropped a beat, right? From from last year to this year, I mean, he was he was arguably MVP caliber player last year. Obviously, rookie of the year comes into this game, still MVP caliber player. So that it's honestly just impressive, right? To call that out, just to, to how he's kind of swapped game to game. Uh, Sib obviously is, is playing very well. We kind of know that those two guys are the superstars on this surge team. Um, but still, I mean, yeah, they made it to a final. But th- to me, the Seattle Surge is still just a very inconsistent team. Like, they require those those guys to not only play at a high level every game, but also, like, you kind of need Mac and maybe even Lamar to step up. Um, and, and we see in series where th- that doesn't happen from those two guys, that they might not win um, or most likely don't win. But but I think Mac really had a, a pretty good tournament overall. Um Definitely had a couple series he didn't play that great, but that was mostly in the group stage. When they hit, got, got to the bracket, uh, he played well. I was actually looking at who they played, um, and oddly enough, so they they knocked Thieves down to the loser bracket, but they also beat New York, right? Like, they're really the only team in the bracket, well, they were the only team in the bracket to beat New York, uh, and they beat them 3-1 in winners round two. Um, and I think that was a series that I think Dante and Sib, or Dante and Pred just absolutely fried. Um, and so... A little day-to-day, right, getting hot. To me, I think they could have won this event. They, the grand finals, from a stat standpoint, was close. Like, two-point hard point, like a 6-4, 3-2. Like, it was a close series, but it wasn't close in terms of slaying. I don't know where their slaying went in that series. Like, they just got tucked, honestly, in, in slaying. Yeah. So, um, I just think they're a really up-and-down team, man. Like, I, I, I fully agree. Seattle Surge, if they're on the super high ceiling... But they're just not consistent enough for me. And that's what frustrates me so much. Because mm-hmm. I think from from them as a talent standpoint, I always feel like that team can improve. Obviously, they like playing with each other. They like you know what they're doing in, in that camp. But um, I just hate to see two players be superstars all the time and kind of be like, all right, are their third and fourth guys going to back them up? Right? Yeah. That's kind of my take. But but I think I their think- ceiling's high and they're just a roller coaster team. I think for me, what what their X factor is, is simply Mac. Because I think we already know what you're going to get out of Lamar. And obviously, those guys all love playing with Lamar. Granted, he has, you know, times where he throws up the stinkers um, here and there. I think he brings a lot to the team in terms of the leadership that, you know, some of the young guys lack. And I know some people might think, oh, that's not that important. But clearly, these guys are obviously all buying into it in the system that, you know, he helps promote. So, I mean, outside of Sib and Pred, you know, that play to the superstar performance all the time, I think it's Mac, dude. Whenever they won their tournament back in Vanguard, Mac was the person that over that overperformed. And then after that, when he started to play terrible right? again. In comparison. Yeah, in comparison, right? He yeah, started to play terrible. Tried. You know, they started to fall off. When Mac is able to put together these events where he's playing really well, I think that's when these guys are more prone to make a run. But also, the thing that's always worried about me about Seattle, and it still continues to worry me, is their S&D. Um, they've won a handful of them, and I think that's when you saw them, you know, being able to kind of make game this the tournament. <laughs> yeah, they won a they won a game five versus Phase. Funny enough, but I don't know. I'm still not sold in them being like a consistent team. I think we just need to see better performances at Mac, or just in general, better just S and D wins like more consistently. I like that they had some at this major, but we'll see if it's a one off. We'll see if they can improve in the game mode. Um, as far as hard point, I think these guys are a phenomenal hard point team. I think Always, they were one yeah. of the only teams that could actually, you know, compete with New York in 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 the pacing department. So, I mean, we'll see how the rest of their season develops. Um, I honestly commend them from getting second because going into the tournament, they didn't look like a team that you know was gonna you know place this high. So. Pat, I just want to say really quickly for the record, I remember in the beginning of Vanguard last year, I was always telling you how great of a team Seattle Surge is, and you kept on telling me throughout the season that they need to blow it up, and now it seems that your opinion seems to be changing a little bit. I personally no, I've feel- kept the same one the whole time. I think they, 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 without a doubt, they keep Sib and Pred. No question, those guys are gross. I've always thought those guys were gross. My blow it up is focused on the other two players, and it's mainly like what, what we were talking about. Like, they just aren't consistent. Like, like, yeah, you know what you get from Lamar, but throws up a stinker a lot. Yeah, you know what you get from Max. Sometimes he overperforms, and that's an X factor for their success. But like, I don't, I don't like that as a player. 
Um, I don't like watching teams that like, I feel like there's just two superstars that are always going to fry and you have to have other guys fry. So I think I've been pretty consistent. Like, I just think that team could pack a punch and get to a point where they'd be dominant. That's, that's my Seattle, take. Seattle surge almost looks like the team that optic should be in terms of like the way they are performing. It's like, yeah. I just feel like I look at the optic roster and I'm like, Oh dude, Shotzi and Dash, he should just be frying. And then like it's the same thing where I look at Seattle, I'm like, oh Prid and Seven Pritter or Se- Seven Prid. Oh my god, I'm so freaking fried. <laughs> Sib and Sib, Pred. Sib and Pred are what Shotzi and Dash he wish they were. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> say. Do, but how do you go feel ahead. about this Pace roster, Pat? <laughs> I need I didn't know that Pat. How do you feel about Pace? Because I know I know that everyone has their opinion on Slasher joining for RCDs. FaZe obviously uh, ended up finishing third in the tournament. Um, I personally like the Slasher move. I'm a big fan of Austin. Love his game. Love what he brings to a team. Um, and same thing with FaZe, Pat. I mean, they were right there as well. They just almost got to the uh, – they were in the winner's finals. They did lose. Um, they lost again in the loser bracket as well. Um, they did beat Toronto Ultra, which is a good win. So how do you feel about FaZe, Pat? What's your thoughts on this roster? So I, I, I like the move, Slasher for Alec, right? Like, I think that was a good move. I think they get better in SND. I think they clear up a little bit of team drama, right? We kind of saw a little bit of that last year on the timeline. Um, not that it was Alec's fault or the team's fault or anything like that, but I think they clear up a little bit of drama and they become more about the game uh, or strictly the game, I should say. Um, I think Slasher improves their search. Um, oh, but overall, I think he just, Slasher's a winner. Not to say Alec isn't. But someone who's just all about winning on a roster like that, like winning is everything, winning's first no matter what, um, I think I think does help this FaZe team. Uh, the big problem that I had with FaZe was, again, their stars were just inconsistent. It's kind of the same stuff we saw in Vanguard. Granted, Abizi is playing a lot better this year than he was playing in Vanguard. Um, but, like, I, I just want to see this team be the, the consistent force we know they are. Like, the, I think in their, their last series they lost... Um, in that loser finals, like Slasher had like a 0.6 in that series. But other than that, Slasher was frying all weekend, right? So it's like Slasher's not going to throw up those 0.6 series a lot. Um, but other than that, I mean, Simp, like hot and cold, right? Had some great series, had some really cold series. Cell's really the only person on this team that I can look at and be like, Cell is going to fry every match. And it's like, I, I just think you, you have those superstars, Simp, Abizi, like those guys got to be superstars every match like you're, you we, we in this day and age of cod like your superstars gotta perform period like every team's stacked like every team has star players um and so if you guys aren't slaying that's always going to be a key issue i mean they they were losing hard points this weekend like that that can't happen when you when you look at that phase roster they are put together with some of the most slaying power in the league they can't come out and not only get out slayed but like just get out played in hard point it just it can't happen. So I think I think them like thieves are are gonna use this as a learning experience. It's funny too because we talk about phase, and we're always disappointed. And it's like those guys are getting second and third <laughs> every event, like at a minimum. And we're like, yo, these guys gotta improve. Like it's such yeah. small things for those guys. I think it's just a consistency thing. There's there's not much you can really say on phase. Like the fact that we're even talking about it, like them having issues when they're getting top three every single event is funny. Um, but yeah, I just I just want to see again their stars be a little bit more consistent, whether that be uh, the pacing of the game or or whatnot. And I think teams honestly are going to go back if this meta stays the same, and honestly learn from New York. New York plays away in this meta that I don't think any other team does. And I yeah. think honestly, if Phase kind of just copy and pasted, I think it would really benefit them. I think Seattle, I think Seattle and uh, New York play hard point the best, and I think that's something that uh, uh, Phase has been, you know, not doing the best at right now. I think their hard points been lacking, their S and D's been strong, their control's been serviceable. But I mean, even going back to like their first couple matches, right? They played the Los Angeles Gorillas Academy. And they lost both. They nezloed the challenger team yeah. that they played against for you know in the first seed. So I mean, if that doesn't go to show you that they're obviously kind of struggling in hardpoint and they're going to have to like adjust this new Vaznev Scar meta. And I think that's where the meta game affects you the most is in the slaying game mode of, of hardpoint. So they're they're going to go back to the drawing board. I'm not too I'm not really too worried about them. They got third this tournament. Um, they're still they also have one team. of the the weirdest hard points I've ever seen. They were down like 150 points or whatever with 100 yeah. something. And then they just came back and played a perfect game of hardpoint in the last three minutes. It's like yeah, it was, it was they very got, weird. They got shit on the whole time and then played a perfect game in three minutes. So it's like it's really weird. That team, I think, obviously has the ability. Um, just need to put it together in this meta. And lastly, uh, before we uh, close out the show and you know give our final thoughts on a couple things, um, let's talk about Vegas, man, dude. Vegas, you know, I know. Thank bro, God we, they got some wins, bro. 
me, dude, me and you definitely have a horse in this race, dude. You know, with with Clay being one of the last uh, veterans um, and us being pretty good friends with Clay. I was happy to see them do good. Um, I'm glad that Pro Loot was able to kind of, uh, you know, give uh, what was what's the word I'm looking for himself redeem himself right in the fan in the in the eyes of some people, including myself. Um, I think that he's uh, he, he's definitely improved on land and, you know, good for him online. He looked terrible playing simple. Called they all did. They all did, to be fair. No, they did it. They were they yeah, were they pretty did. decent team. They, so they, bro, they uh, Chris, split. you're very you're very you're very hard on Prelude. I feel Chris because I've seen I've seen. No, what you're saying. I understand why too. I understand why. I get it. I get it. Like I uh, wait, wait. What do you mean, Doug? What I'm do you understand? Not hard on him, bro. Break, wait, wait, like, break Byron, it down. Why do you Byron, Because I I see a lot of myself with Byron. Like people think that I'm terrible all the time. They're like you're so bad, and it's like look, I see the grand picture and the bigger picture. It's like I don't care about the day to day. Look, online COD for me personally, guys. I would I would love Pat and Chris. I would love to win all these online tournaments, man. I'd love to be this online demon. But like there's something about land that changes the game. And and Chris, Prolute in your eyes, I feel, especially online, you probably feel that he's lost, he's behind, he's unaware, he's this, he's that. But the Prolute I saw on land, I think that rocker win was like a really big confidence booster for him and for that team. And although he did never said he was lost. I mean, I saw the clips that came out. I, I know what the, I know the way that you think about players. I, yeah, I, I just said he wasn't. I just said he wasn't that talented on it from a skillful level. I think he's uh, more of a like but, a mindful player, a smarter player, S and D. So you're calling him player. like a Rambo yes. player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and exactly, and it's not even a bad thing. It's just an observation. It's, it's really good. It's really good to see that in the CDL in this day and age, because as a player who plays like that, and everything is about the preds and the shotsies and the this. Look, I don't care if Shotzi could do a three sixty YY ladder saw off the ladder. Can he just point a name and go to the right spot? Like Byron is more of a hey, let's get everyone on the same page. Let's make sure we have good communication. Let's make sure that we clutch up in our SNDs. I saw that kid constantly going ten and one in SND, double positive in SND. Yeah, great, sir. Making some clutch plays. Like I said, yeah, but. SD my thing is, my thing is, my thing is, you got to get there. Right. And my thing is, right. Doug, in this day and age, that doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. Look at the team that won, right? The player that you would most compare to that sort of play style was Kismet. He's their best player. That guy is literally good at search. That guy is, has very good communication. He plays that gritty gameplay style and he could still slay. Gr well, granted, so, so, I, I, gr let me finish. No, I'm sorry to Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead, Chris, go ahead. I just want to say, I still think there's room for those players to exist in the league, but it's going to get phased out sooner or later, and you got to adapt, man. Eventually, so you, you got to think with how much Call of Duty is being played and how much the franchise is evolving and how players are evolving. Eventually, you're going to get to a point where a lot of those players that, you know, have more of an objective mind and a lot of, like, are, you know, better in, like, the leadership like category and all that sort of stuff and have good vocals are also going to be able to shoot back on a consistent basis. And th that's mainly the thing that I was trying to say about Byron. And even Donnie confirmed it, not, not about Byron, but in terms of, like, their slaying power online sucked. And I didn't think they were going to come to land and just be a transformed team, but it makes sense. Their online spread is terrible. Um, so these guys are obviously never getting good practice and all that stuff. But also, the reason why I said that stuff is because this isn't Byron's first year. Byron play, Prolute played last year, and he was playing with Optic. So Full stage, yeah, full stage. Exactly. He played like a full stage. So, I mean, going off the way he played on, on that roster, and I think he played okay sometimes, but he wasn't anything special. And he, he, was, he had a series where he was getting shit on. And then going to the online stage of this game, he was getting shit on from an individual perspective. Like... If see if you're if you're playing bad for quite a while, I'm gonna say something about it. But regardless, the the kid redeemed himself, bro. He was looking like one of the better players on the team. Flawless in S and D. I think Vegas's S and D was incredible. I think their hard point was serviceable, but the swing game mode is ultimately what bit them in the ass and what was losing them series. These guys could not win a control. Um, and I think control is one of those game modes where there's a lot of um, it, it's not systematic. It's very reactionary and it's very um. Just like you got to know what to do as a player. And if like you're a really talented, very observant player, you'll eventually, you know, it'll kind of click in your head and there needs to be very good communication. So that's something it's I think the team lacked. heavy, right? Like clutch two yeah. pieces, like just yeah, clutch yeah, yeah. plays being, in general. Being like, sneaky, like kind of like, oh, yeah. like I'm going to hide in this corner. I'm like, yo, they might over rotate. I'm like, you know, I might find an opening here. Right. So, I mean, I eventually think that some of these teams will adapt to it, but um, I think Vegas struggled with it, and I'm glad to see that Vegas was able to redeem themselves in the eyes of the fans because it's it's good. It feels good to see Vegas do well after just constant fucking years of them getting pooped on, especially you know with with you know some of my good friends on the roster. Yeah, what, but, what, um, what was really nice ahead. to see Chris was, and just to go back to your point about how Prolude had a stage last year, and then this year he redeemed himself a little bit. I, I think that you gotta sometimes give players time, and and the example I want to use is actually Kismet because. 
Uh, I remember back in that MW season, I used to have constant talks with Kismet, late night talks and team speak, DMs, et cetera, talking about being undeniable and just transforming. And, you know, obviously he got a really bad rep in that MW season on that um, Paris Legion team, right? And then he had to go into Challengers in Cold War and sit there for a year. And then he got his chance back in Vanguard after winning all the online Challenger tournaments. So I also do believe that players can evolve and change because Kismet has adapted. He has changed his playing style. He is one of the most prime examples that we could use going back to last year with Vanguard of being an impactful, aggressive, selfless player who still gets kills and slays and performs well in Search and Destroy. So I think a lot of Challenger players, and definitely me, I, I could say this from experience, I look to Kismet and say, look, that's the type of player that I want to start putting my game around like this guy he definitely started changing some things up he definitely started adapting to how the league and the cdl works so it's really nice to see the legion finally getting wins on land like you said even though it came at the expense of the breach seeing the tj pro loot sub duo being it's more of a selfless one seeing that would work consistently especially in search and destroy uh because you we all know pro loot and tj are great search and destroy players so just to see them able to get some wins see that franchise able to kind of get back into a competitive track and get some more respect is, is really nice to see for the scene as well yeah, so with you talking so highly about uh, Kismet um, just a second ago, um, before we close out the show, I want to hear you guys. I want to hear your guys' takes. Who are the top three players right now in the game? Spitfire, go. You first, Doug. Then I'm we'll go to Pat. Pro then I'll say mine. I'm gonna say I gotta. It's car. It's hard because I have to say like the players that are winning, right? Like Kismet getting the MVP. Okay, obviously. here's one thing. Here's one last thing. You can't pick more than one person from a team. Okay, so let me get Skies on New York Subliners. Let me get Pred on Seattle Surge. And let me get Selium on Atlanta Phase. Go, Pat. Sell, Pred, Scrappy. Mine is Kismet, Sib. Mm, this one's You think tough, Sib's better man. than Pred? I think Sib is better than Pred right now. Pred is definitely more impactful, but Sib's performances... Have I feel like Pred's more consistent. Am I crazy in thinking that? I mean, from watching I the matches, so. I, I, I from watching so. the matches, I think Sib was popping off more. I think Pred was playing good still, but Sib was definitely popping off more, and I think he played okay in the finals in terms of statistics. Um, regardless, I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Realistically, I'm, I'm not fact-checking any of this, but I, like I was saying, was Kismet, Sib, and uh, Abizi. Whoa, Abizi. I don't, I don't know if you can throw Abizi there yet. He's had some good performances, but... He still lacks the consistency, no? Probably. That's my problem I'm, with the. I'm, I mean, that's my problem with the. I just spitballed, though. I just spitballed. Yeah, I feel like you pulled uh, that one out of your hat. Like, we're in Cold probably. War, bro. You I could I was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about the players, and I just didn't know who to list, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day. Um, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for the reverse sweep. If you guys enjoyed um, the content and look forward to more, make sure you guys subscribe, especially if you guys want to see me come back to playing. I might be pulling up to some Challengers tournaments here very soon. Um, thank you guys all for watching, and I will see you guys, well, we will see you guys in the next one. Have a good one, guys. Peace out. Subscribe. See yep.